Hello and welcome to the Tip Manor podcast. So we're on episode 10 of the season and uh, since the last pod we won two more games. We battered a Premier League team, we've scored another seven goals, we've kept two more clean sheets so everyone on the pod should be mega happy again. So who's going to be happy this week, chaps? I'm happy. I'm James. Hello. Uh, John, do you do happy? I I do happy now. I'm gagging for some Oxford United chat right now. Yeah, you're gagging for it. Good. How was your day yesterday? You're on the wine. You feeling yeah, you know, primed and ready? No, I went to a, a wine festival, which do happen up north, believe it or not. People in Oxford <laughs> are spitting their tea out right now. Um, it's just how we roll up here. But yeah, no, I'm stuck. feeling sharp now. Good stuff. Jack, as our listeners feel anxious when they don't know about our culinary choices, what did you have for dinner? Oh, I'm delighted you've asked me. Um, I had lasagna and it was brilliant. Oh, did you have any garlic bread with it? We did, of course. Fish and Fantastic. chips, lasagna and garlic bread, they go together. Absolutely glorious. I'm delighted. Uh, Benjamin, anything exciting going on this weekend? Did you celebrate the wins with a sandwich, perhaps? Uh, not not quite a sandwich, no, but I was in my uh, local cricket club back in the northeast, standing up and celebrating every time Jeff Sellin said we'd scored another goal and everyone looked bewildered as to why someone was celebrating an Oxford goal. Yeah, I do like that. It was like when we were in the pub um, watching the League Cup draw in York the other day and people were really clueless as to why we were kind of cheering when Oxford came out, but... It's a good. It's a good thing. Um, Connor, top of the morning to you. How are you settling in in Ulster? Top of the morning to you, mate. Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you very much. Good. Come on, give me some more than that. What, what's um, happened since you've been there? Not well. Not a lot really. Just settling in. You know, getting the feel of the place. Uh, finding my way around Belfast slowly. Still haven't found any Belfast yellows, so I'm going to keep plugging this until I find one. Um, Absolutely. But no, I uh, had a lovely weekend, especially on Saturday when I sat and listened to the game on the radio and was dancing around my bedroom every goal that went in the back of the net. So yeah, Fantastic. all good. Good stuff. Right, so what we're doing today, we'll talk obviously about the West Ham and Gillingham games. Uh, we'll wrap up goings on across League One. We'll preview Accrington next Saturday. Um, Andy's had to take a step back from the pod for a few weeks. So we're going to introduce a memory lane section into the Andy Dent slot. And obviously, we all wish Andy Dent all the best in studying for his exams, which is why he's had to take a step back. And finally, I'm doing the quiz this week, for which I forgot until about 3 p.m. this afternoon. So I've applied minimal effort, so it should be nice and swift, which I think is what our listeners want. So there you go. Right, we better talk about football. Okay, so we played West Ham on Wednesday. It was Wednesday, wasn't it? I keep wanting to say Tuesday. It was definitely Wednesday. It was definitely Wednesday. Yeah, so a few changes. Obviously, everyone was talking about the changes. I've never heard the word changes so much in being referred to for both teams. So we had Long, Moore, uh, Rob Hall, George Fawn and Ford coming in, Baptiste and Mackey also starting. Uh, Sykes, Aji and Nico Jones joining Taylor Woodburn and Fosu on the bench. And then I put a bit of effort in on Twitter to just check up on what that West Ham 11 actually kind of cost. So they made nine changes from their uh, Premier League side that I think they beat Man United, didn't they? 2-0 the game before. Yeah. Um, so they had Jimenez in goal, who had a 
a load of experience in the league, well, across the continent, basically. Uh, Zabaleta, we don't need to talk about. They got him on a free. Balbuena cost them six and a half million. Diop, 22 million. Masaku, six million. Snodgrass, 10 million. Fornals, 24 million. A jetty, not a J, a jetty, 8 million for him. And then on the bench, they had, they brought on a Haller in the second half, 45 million. Felipe Anderson, 36 million. Ultimately, the, the team that ended up on the pitch at any point cost over 157 million. So it wasn't exactly like we were playing, you know, amateurs. And what made me, ha- we'll get to it in a bit with the reaction, but luckily a lot of the kind of national press did pick up on that as well. So it didn't make it seem like we were playing um, just reserves. So onto the game then. So in the first half, you know, I think what the feeling was, especially on Radio Oxford, was that we had a really good, a good half. Brannigan sliced good chance wide. Sykes came on for George Fawn. Um, after he injured his shoulder, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, Rob Hall, obviously playing against his old club, hit the bar. And it was a good first half, but I guess I was concerned, Jerome and anyone in Radio Oxford and anyone listening in was concerned that we weren't being clinical enough and we'd end up getting punished. But that wasn't the case, was it, chaps? John, were you listening in? No, I was at a work deal with my phone going absolutely crazy in my pocket. And I was thinking, God, what's happened? God, what's happened? And I couldn't look at it got out of it and it was about 250 odd messages so but it's i had a friend there who was um was just utterly delirious and he was he made similar sort of points about but everyone seemed to have that level of confidence that they'd taken on from the lincoln game and it, it was just a real sense that the team was not remotely um flustered by the west ham team and were just able to to move forward yeah, my uh, my dad was there at the game and, and he said the same thing at halftime because we always have a little bit of a halftime chat because he goes to all the home games. And uh, he said that we looked really, really good in the first half, but the fact that we weren't being clinical enough and he, he suggested the same sort of thing that, you know, he was a little bit worried that perhaps if we don't carry that that sort of uh, performance over into the second half that we'd get punished because ultimately we're playing against a Premier League side who you would have thought, obviously on paper, that um, they would have, perhaps gone on the second half and improved their performance. But as we will discuss in a moment, that didn't happen, <laughs> did it? No. Then we, we switched around and we faced the East End. And I've literally, just before we've come on to do the pod, I've just seen a stat um, from the OUFC stats feed on Twitter about how many goals we score when we're facing the East End versus um, the fence end. Is it, I'd recommend people go and look at that. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it... It tells the story that you'd want it to tell, basically. Um, what I want to know, guys, initially is, Ben, is Elliot Moore a fox in the box? Turning a nice striker's finish to get us off the mark. I think he might be. He stayed very calm. Uh, he, he sort of thought his chance had gone and he sort of sighed a little bit, but then he saw, well, the ball's still in the box. So I better stay sharp. And uh, he didn't panic, didn't just try and swing his leg, didn't look out. He just thought, oh, you know what? I could, I could swivel this. And he uh, did it pretty well. And actually, the fact there were so many players there, keeper was completely blind yeah it was a good finish ball in from Sykes as well it's worth referencing and then I also think that um, Dickie should get a little bit of credit for that goal as well because I thought the initial header when he put it back across goal was a a real good uh, intelligent piece of play and like you say like Sykes did really well to find a little bit of space and, and put the ball back in to the danger area and obviously Elliot Moore with a what we said like a striker's finish wasn't it really yeah how many has he scored now? He scored against Fleetwood, obviously. Is that only a second or has he notched another one? Maybe it was pre-season or something. 
I think, yeah, I think that was his second one. Yeah. Obviously, his first yeah. one with his feet. That's right. And then, uh, so we were still keeping West Ham largely at bay. They weren't having any significant chances. And then Matty Taylor uh, came on for Mackey. And then within a second, he scored, didn't he, Jack? Yeah, I mean, it was another tap in, but we haven't scored goals like that for quite a long time. Um, so it's another example of him being in the well, the right position and a brilliant cross from Sykes. Yeah, Sykes, obviously then that's instantly kind of two assists. I think the first one was a little bit lucky in the way it fell to Moore, but regardless, he was in the right place at the right time, found a load of space. And um, especially for that second goal, it's hilarious if you watch back. I think it's um, Felipe Anderson who just could not give less of a shit about tracking his man which is great considering, as I said earlier, he cost 36 million. But I think Pellegrini was hammering them all afterwards and that's probably one of the reasons why. Um, we then moved on to the Fosu goal. So the third goal, this was great. And all of those kind of fan cam, you know, the fan cam footage of the crowd and of, from behind the goal and all of that, this seemed to take an eternity to go in. It's great seeing the reaction of the fans behind the goal. It seems to take like 20 seconds for it to go in, but how composed was he like as he was running up and just took it round? It was like watching someone on FIFA who was very good at FIFA, but it was a great was, goal, right? It was brilliant. Yeah. It was just like, obviously carrying on that confidence and that sort of swagger from his, from his hat-trick performance against Lincoln. And I just, it's just one of those goals that as soon as, uh, is it Misaku? Misaku? I think that's how he yeah. his name. Yeah. yeah, as soon as he slipped, you just thought, right, Fosu's just going to absolutely put the you know put the afterburners on here and get away from him. And again, it was so cool to, to round the goalkeeper and, and find the finish because after he knocked it around the keeper, you know, it wasn't an easy finish. I mean, he could have, he was slightly yeah. off balance. He could have easily fluffed it, but just the confidence that obviously he, he brought through from Lincoln showed and it was a, it was a class finish and obviously we all loved it. The fans loved it. And it was a fantastic way to cap another good performance for him. That's it. He didn't look like he was even really stretching his legs. Like if you applied kind of lift music to when he was running, it would have looked quite apt. I was going to make a similar point that he at times doesn't, he obviously is really quick, but at times he doesn't look quick, but Masaku is a seriously rapid player. And yeah. I thought, well, he, he could easily catch up with him so to speak. Uh, but he actually fosters this thing where you think he's about to lose the ball if it's a dribble and he just nicks it away at the last moment. And when he's running, he doesn't look overly quick, but he just sort of flowed away from him. It's very quite striking. That's right. He's one of those players who's got the ability to keep the ball so close to him as well. So he's not a winger that knocks it and runs, is he? It's almost like the ball's glued to his foot. And Stone just said he has the, the, the ability to just nick it away after the defender's committed. This makes it look so easy. Yeah. He, initially, I guess from what we've seen of it, I think he's notched five goals, four or five goals this season so far. He he looks like he was one of those wingers that's going to be predictably unpredictable, but he's getting a bit of consistency in his game now, which is great. I think KR said when we signed him that he's a confidence layer. And whilst he's got the confidence from the last week or so, I think we'll see him thrive. Um whether he can keep that up consistently, we'll see. But what, when he's at full flow with confidence, it's just brilliant. Yeah, he looks like a different player to what we saw away at Bolton, basically, where he was tumbling over all the time, couldn't get his foot on the ball, was drifting in and out of different positions, which might have been you know, tactical, but 
regardless, he just looks completely different now, especially after, the, obviously, the Lincoln game. It's the first time this week he's spoken about his KR link and confirmed that he is the person that can get that out of him. And as Jack said, he's a confidence player and he needs the right sort of approach to him. So we know that he's 100% that partnership is is there and we're going to get the best from him. It doesn't seem anyone else can, so it, it's positive on that front as well. Excellent. And then, obviously, one of our own, Shannon Baptiste, decides to become Pele or Maradona <laughs> or whatever you want to call it. Ben, how good was that goal? Oh, I had to keep replaying it on a loop. It was that good. If I don't know if you've seen this, especially people listening, but the goal cam, uh, after Baptiste scored, look at Sykes' reaction. He's got his head in his hands. He can't believe what he's just yeah. seen. <laughs> to be fair, my reaction was, it's was pretty similar as well. Once he, he took them on and just sort of passed it, and the keeper just sort of didn't move, didn't expect it. And, well, isn't, isn't he a good player? That's all I can say about Baptiste. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. There's some beautiful footage from the North Stand where you're directly behind him, which was obviously, I'd like to say it was going viral because we were that good. <laughs> I think yeah. that 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 footage is the one that shows Matty Taylor celebrating as uh, Baptiste drops his shoulder, so he's still got to put the ball in the net, and Matty Taylor's celebrating <laughs> already. Yeah, I've never seen such a slow and graceful like glide through the pitch. Like it's just it's just incredible. But anyway, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. And again, I I think he's another player that's going to build on that. He's going to you know. That he's going to be right up there in terms of confidence and hopefully, you know, he's had a bit of a rest. We'll talk about Gillingham came on in that and when he's actually fit and firing and starting week in, week out, we've got a right player on our hands. Um, So in terms of like reaction then, so solid week of press for Oxford in general, obviously with the Lincoln win and then the West Ham result. And I mentioned kind of, it was frustrating to hear so many broadcasters deciding to focus on on focus on West Ham's faults rather than our performance, but you kind of expect that, right? That's the big story. It's how they played rather than how we played, and people will just assume that they were terrible rather than us being fantastic. But we don't really need to care about that, do we? It's fine. This stat that, or this fact that West Ham had gone out in the last three years to League One teams came as quite a shock to to me, which might have pushed that narrative even further in that people were looking out for it, but. I think you're right. It's it's the way things generally generally work. But the the profile and the prominence of where we were positioned in terms of front page of BBC Sport and all that, you, you just sort of you don't you don't care after a while, do you? No. BBC uh, sent their chief football writer Phil McNulty to the guy. I think he must live near the area because he always seems to pick up Oxford games whenever he, there is. He a does. Yeah, there. I'm. Pre- I was going to say I'm pretty sure he is. He's fairly local. And he appears to know a bit more than you'd expect from someone who, in theory can't know yeah. the nuance but he's commented on other things before i reckon he's either an oxford fan or or equally just does live live locally but even that that was even great for this as well because you, you read that article and you know, that's a seriously good write-up from not criticizing anything else he's done but they just would be a bit more generic but you could tell he knew a bit more about what he was talking about yeah so it was good to see that he in his write-up he talked about obviously both sides making several changes uh he talked about um, how the main surprise for him initially was how West Ham actually survived for so long before conceding, which is obviously a great thing. That kind of goes back to what we were saying about the first half performance. We kind of we deserved to go in in front, really. And um, another thing that I picked out of his uh, reaction was how he said Jack Wilshire wasted an opportunity to stake a claim 
uh, to get into the kind of starting 11 of West Ham as he was overrun by the energy of Baptiste. Nice. And Wilshire, Wilshire looked a spent force in contrast. Yeah. That's a great quote. If I'm Baptiste reading that again, I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah, I think also there was a really good article uh, in The Guardian as well about, about us humiliating West Ham. And I certainly agree with what you just said with Baptiste. I mean, it's it's all well and good, isn't it, with these sort of things. And Carl Robinson made this point with the idea of, you know, having a fantastic performance and everyone bigging us up and whatever. And I think it is important that, that football players and, you know, perhaps fans, we can get away with it, but keeping our feet on the ground is important. And I'm sure that someone like Baptiste, given he's, I think he plays and the way he speaks, et cetera, is way beyond his years. I think he's a very sort of experienced head, even though he's still such a young lad. Um, and I think certainly if he's reading that, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll firmly keep his feet on the ground and there's certainly more to come from him, definitely. Excellent. Yeah, I've said before, he has a lovely voice. So he that's does, another yeah. thing going for him. Yeah, he does, actually. Yeah, maybe so we should we've get got... on the podcast because then he could, like, you know... Absolutely. Come in for me because of my horrible, horrible voice. Connor, don't say that. I was, I, waiting for John, I was waiting for John to come for a dig, but you know he didn't. He didn't come <laughs> <in> this time. <laughs> it's nothing to have a dig about, as James has just said. May- yeah. Maybe, maybe when I drop the uh, bring up the new Northern Irish accent, that's when I'll be kicked off. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jack, we've got Sunderland at home in the draw. How do we feel about that? Um, I did swear when I saw we'd got Sunderland because, <laughs> as had been mentioned a few times before across various sources, that um, wasn't it Arsenal, Liverpool that were left, and we we pulled out Sunderland. But um, yeah, it's one of them, isn't it? A chance to get through, um, and it's not very often we talk about being in the quarter final of a national competition that actually means something. Um, so is it the quarterfinals next? After if we beat Sunderland, it would be the quarterfinals. Yeah. Oh so, wow! Um, it's a big, it's a big deal, really. Um, it's at home. I was worried we'd get Crawley away, which would just be <laughs> horrendous. <laughs> so yeah, I it's, generally it's, thought it, the same. Generally. Yeah. So it's at home. It's winnable. Um, it's not got the magic factor, but the the rewards of winning it are pretty magical. Anyone else have any views on? So I, I'm the same. I think we can. It's a winnable game, isn't it? They're not. You know, they haven't lit up the league at all. So, if we can get through that, then you're more than guaranteed to have more of a exciting fixture in the in the quarterfinals. So, fingers crossed. Okay, should we move on to Gillingham. I tell you what, we didn't really talk about the fact we kept a clean sheet that much, but again, the defence were <laughs> dynamite, right? Throughout yeah. the whole of that West Ham game. So completely fantastic performance from them. Uh, so it's amazing to be able to move on to another game that was fantastic and do- we were dominant in again. Uh, so before the game, there was obviously lots of chatter about Steve Evans suggesting some of our goals at Lincoln were lucky, but I think Jack... You thought the same as me when you actually read the article. He's not really, he's not that bad, is it? He's kind of saying, he says they were lucky no, in, in think, terms of the timing of the goals, but not so much. Yeah, that. I think he was also having the kind of um, summary of, oh, Lincoln had one of the, those days, you know, what it's like, concede six, couple of lucky goals. It was more a kind of generic throwaway comment, I think, rather than seriously suggesting 
we you know that Mac's skillful kill shot into the bottom corner was lucky, but um, <laughs> it's Steve Evans in there. It's quite good to have a go at him, really. <laughs> That's right. I think it was all so, going out of proportion a bit, wasn't it? But but again, yeah. I'm sure that that those comments were probably used as a little bit of motivation for players, and if not players, then certainly fans to have a dig. I think KR said that the players made him aware of it, so they must have, you know, they must have picked yeah. up from something. Yeah, Brannigan tweeted as well after the game, um, something yeah. along the lines of <laughs> "Great win today." Yeah, all our goals are lucky or something. <laughs> He's a legend, isn't he? To be fair. So, in terms of the lineup, pretty predictable. Taylor came in for Mackie, which I think we thought was going to happen after Mackie started midweek. Um, the most notable thing was Sykes wasn't in the squad at all after a great performance um, against West Ham. Ben, what did you think about that? I think it's a bit harsh. Obviously, he's you know he was almost given an ultimatum: perform well, or you're out on loan. Obviously, he didn't go out on loan. And to be honest, his performances since then have been very good when he's been given the chance. Um, so yeah, if I was him, I'd be a little bit disappointed. But you know, we've only got 18 places on a match day squad. Someone's going to miss out every time. It's just given his his good performance. I think it's probably a little bit harsh that it was his turn this time. It, I guess, the, the Oxford Mail bothered like publishing an article that was just focused on this very point. Given that I, I think it was a surprise to them as well. But Kr, you know, kind of had an interview specifically around Sykes not being in the team. Said that he called Mr. Sykes and talked him through it. Explained why. He refer- KR references the poor preseason that he felt that Sykes had was the thing that's still causing, you know, getting him to kind of play catch up with the rest of the squad. But, you know, I, I think, Jack, I saw you put something on Twitter about, you know, isn't there still a space there for him? Why is Rob Hall getting in ahead of Sykes, who's young and up yeah, and coming it, and promising? And It was an interesting one because actually I thought KR's interview about it was really good. He really kind of nailed his colours to the mass and said, look, we've got 18 players that, you know, performed very well in the last week or so. Uh, Sykes is kind of starting from behind them, if you like. But then I had a look at it and um, Rob Hall hasn't actually played more than 16 minutes in a league game yet. So it feels a very mm. strange comment to say, oh, yeah, the 18 in front of Sykes are all showing their worth when actually Rob Hall's barely played in the league. Um I do wonder if there's a bit of a self-confidence thing for Rob Hall from within the club because he's been out injured for so long. You know, let's get him on the bench to kind of keep him motivated. Um, yeah. The thing about Rob Hall, though, is, and I would speculate that the reason he gets in is purely his ability to knock it past someone and bang it in or do something that's quite quick and rapid and just changes the game in the space of a split moment because we know he can do that from the past. Sykes is clearly a good player, but he's going to be involved in a good pass or I've not seen him particularly sort of do something out of nothing and Hall can do that. And I I think at times football management is as simple as that guy might do something. So we'll have him in the squad just in case, but that might be being oversimplistic. Yeah. I just think going back to the kind of model we've got now, bringing through young players, surely Sykes is a player that we either had to get out on loan or we had to get we have to get him in the squad to try and help develop him. You know, he's into his twenties now. Um, I would just thought that would be something that we're looking at. But I expect he'll start at the next kind of JPT, whatever it's called, game. Um, but we'll see. 
So going into the first half, we were facing the East Stand. It looked like Gillingham turned us around, uh, much to their detriment in the end, which was fantastic. So we actually scored our first goal from a Gillingham corner. So Fosu, it's worth watching the extended highlights again and recapping it because, again, Fosu shows great composure and confidence again to kind of tippy-tappy kind of football in and around the our own area to kind of wriggle clear and bring the ball away. He plays it to Ruffles, who moves it on to Woodburn. And again, I've given Woodburn a bit of stick on the pods of late, but He's he had a, a solid game again without being again you know too. St- he didn't stand out too much, but what he did do was effective, especially in the first half. He created a load of space after drawing in three players, passed it on to Henry, who scored one of those kind of if you play FIFA, it's an R one finesse shot into the top corner with a placed finish. But I noticed I guess, in our notes great, great put the word finesse. <laughs> as soon as you it put was... the word finesse, I was like, oh my god, he's been playing FIFA too much, hasn't he? I can't really play FIFA anymore, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, "That it's quite a weird-looking goal," and it it's, it was, it's, a, it's a great, it's it, a great finish. And is James Henry? What I want to ask guys is: Is James Henry rising to the pressure you all put on him for being top scorer this season? Did he hear the pod, and now he's just putting in the goals now? Well, I said I was falling in love with him, so um, he's definitely responding to something. <laughs> I've always been in love with him. He's he's been my favorite, one of my favorite players since since he joined. And to be honest, to this to this day now, I'll still t- I'll, I'll still argue that he's the best player in the squad. Absolutely. So, there you go. Yeah. Putting it out there. Yeah. And you know, if anyone wants to argue against me, we'll go for it because <laughs> he is he's class. He just has something that some other players do not have. <laughs> he's he's brilliant. Uh, and I think on that goal that he scored yesterday. When you talk about the shot, what I think is so interesting about that goal is how, yeah, it was a finesse shot, but like he was so straight onto the ball and he still managed to get that curvature on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just, it. just the technique was was perfect. And I think the, the certainly the iFollow commentator said, oh, it caught a deflection. And it, it never caught a deflection. Like there's no way on earth that was a deflected goal. That went straight in the top bins and keeper. I mean, to be honest with you, if you look at it, the goalkeeper was slightly far off his line. And if he was probably a little bit a step further back, he might have got to it because it wasn't right in the top corner. But not, not taking anything away from the Messiah that is James Henry himself. That was a class finish. Did Did anyone else notice Fossu's kind of, well, the build-up in general, but how Fossu brought the ball away? Or was that just me? Okay, it was just me. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I will move on to the next goal. Uh, so the second goal, uh, Henry, I, I, again, it looked like a counter-attack. So Henry half volleyed it kind of over the top for Taylor to run onto. Uh, Steve Evans at halftime was apparently going full tomato in the tunnel about it being offside. But if you watch it, I kind of bothered to kind of pause it a few times watching the highlights back. Taylor, and this is why we've kind of got him right, he, he runs, he kind of pulls himself back and then runs across the line to get back in line yeah. with the defenders, but also to get himself some space on the left-hand side. And then he he's clean through. And to be fair, again, what a finish, right? It's a fantastic. You can't really see how, what, where it goes in, with regards to the keeper unless there's a goal cam somewhere, but fantastic finish again, right? I mean, it was one of those runs by a striker, kind of he curved his run. So he probably started offside about two seconds before the ball was played, came back on, but was then running kind of with ball in the direction of the goal. Um, and actually, again, I said it last week about Fozu um, 
kind of keeping calm. How many times have we seen a striker go through one-on-one and fall over? John O'Beaker, for example. <laughs> like, he, he was never going to miss, was he? As soon as he got the ball, he was going to score. I'll never forget, um, who was it last season? Burton away. And it was Jerome... Jerome Sinclair. 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 Yeah. Sinclair, yeah. It was Sinclair. I remember yeah. what, I know exactly on his debut, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and he got clean through within the first 10 minutes and it was in a really, really similar position to where Taylor was and he yeah. absolutely spaffed it. Um, <laughs> I remember our I, reactions because you know... we were all stood together, weren't we? And I remember we just all went, what the f*** was that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, so it reminded me of that and I'm sure Taylor will miss, you know, well, actually, <laughs> he does miss something in the second half, doesn't he? So we'll get on to that. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> the third goal, though, uh, does someone else talk us through that? Ben, have you watched it back? I've only managed to watch the the short five second highlights that we put on YouTube, where it's basically just goal, 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 and that's yeah. it. But it just, yeah, I, I thought again, build up play. If, why do we always play football like that? We'd be brilliant. That sort of build up play, pass the ball around players. <laughs> Defense can't do anything. Kick the ball in the goal. Job done. But, uh, no, it's, uh... I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Should be a manager, manager really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but nice, uh, again, just a, a good, good finish, and uh, yeah, I think just Henry's just uh, really finding form at the right time, just uh, dragging the team on. And actually, probably not as much as the other players, but Henry could also be a confidence player. And when we play well, he plays well, and vice versa. You always, I don't, you never find he has a really good game if we're three nil down or losing. So I think he, he feeds yeah. off the other players as well. Yeah. The funny thing with Henry is the end of last season. He had such. He always seems to have a good start to the season, doesn't he? And he tailed off a bit at the end of last year. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see if he carries on. Because again, the team was playing well at the end of last season, and yeah. he wasn't necessarily at the forefront of all of that. But I mean, it might also. I'm going to defend him. <laughs> it might be a fitness a fitness thing. Yeah, know, going into the end of the season, especially the amount of games we we play per season like KR said in I think it was after the West Ham game when he said you know potentially this could be a 60 game season so you know it's these sort of things are bound to happen when you've got a player who who is a you know a staple in the team that they might start to trail off at the end of the season but yeah hopefully that won't happen this year and uh you know if if, well I mean Christ if we carry on the way we're going we'll win the league so (laughs) a little bit ambitious <laughs> We've heard it here. Connor said it. It's fine. It's happening. <laughs> On that third goal, uh, what I really liked in the build-up was that Taylor was very involved in the play, and it's intricate football on the deck for most of it. I like saying on the dick. Uh, he plays it into <laughs> Ruffles, and Ruffles is doing everything he can to convince me that he is the right. You know, he's he is the left back that we're going to have for the foreseeable future because. I still never saw him as a natural kind of left back. I still was really after that kind of Marvin Johnson-esque attacking left-sided player. But he's, you know, fair enough to him. He he gets up the pitch. That cross is fantastic. It, all of the pace is on the ball for Henry to just direct it. And that in itself was just such a beautiful header. It's a great goal. Um, Henry then as we're always talking about James Henry on this podcast, he had three more decent chances for the hat-trick in the first half. So his final attempt came closest hitting the post and the build-up play for that final um, chance was absolutely fantastic. Again, Taylor involved actually kind of plays Henry through. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but again, fast-paced kind of ball on the deck, football 
it's just just how we play all of a sudden it seems to have clicked and it's it's amazing and that's why Matty Taylor I think with Mackie and the team maybe there's a bit more of a slower build up there but Taylor seemed to have eyes in the, in the back of his head for that particular move um don't know if you guys caught that we just looked as if we knew what we were going to do there's a lot of times earlier on this season where we'd pass it around to no kind of end kind of gain whereas Ruffles and Taylor and even Henry's movement if you watch it if you keep your eye on Henry from the beginning of the clip, he almost knows where that ball's come in so early on. I was going to say, have we, or has KR changed the formation that we start with? Because for the last two games in a row, it looks like we're playing a 4 3 3 or a 4 1 4 1. I mean, formation is not the end of the world and it's what you do off the ball and combos between players and all, and all that sort of thing. But I looked at it and thought, I, I think that one rather than two next to each other in front of the defence works better. And I I just looked at the, the team announcements for the last two games and thought, well, that's that's definitely a formation change. And is that part of it as well? I think that's how the Oxford Mail reported it, is in they suggested it was a 4-3-3 with uh, Woodburn kind of sitting in one of those central midfield roles. Sorry, Connie, you were going to say? Yeah, I think also it's what I've noticed in that's particularly the last two games is the transitional play it's that it's that transition from defense to attack and going forward it just seems so much swifter it's almost as if you know players are starting to begin to understand where other players are going to be and you know the movement going forward when we regain possession is so much quicker and the transition yeah. from defense to attack looks really deadly and you can see that against West Ham some of the way that we regain possession of the ball and and the turnover was so much quicker, and you know, going forward, we look we look very dangerous. Quite numerous, uh, sorry, numerous occasions, and the same again in the second half against uh, Gillingham. I, I couldn't believe how we didn't score a goal in the second half. Yeah, uh, it's playing through the lines is something that we were complaining about when we when we did the review of the Bolton game. It just didn't seem to be happening, and also at Fleetwood, you know, me and John were just watching Rob Dickey being our playmaker, just hoofing it up the pitch every five minutes so something seems to have changed and maybe it's that I don't know you, you'd think that after three games teams would have worked it out to know how to try and handle it but it doesn't look like any of them have managed to so far and long may that continue so we'll see I think if you force if you say right Gorin's holding and then Branning and Baptiste or Branning and whoever you by default should be in front of him that helps you go through the lines potentially a bit easier um i did think i mean this is just from watching the extended highlights so i wasn't out of the game their holding midfielders looked pretty poor countless times when fossu was just stood by himself when he was past the ball in between the lines and that that shouldn't be happening but as we say the west ham result was against much better players i think something's been tweaked in there or, or as i think it was connor said they could just be understanding a bit more about who's going to be where and that was definitely missing from the bolton game about who is going to be in what position once I've got yeah. the ball. So into the second half, Dickey came off for more at halftime. He seemed to have a bit of an issue at the end of the first half. Have, have the club confirmed any anything on that? I'm not sure. I think they've just just said it's not as you know, it's not one to worry about. I did read, I think it's Paul Beasley on Rage Online said he caught um one of the Gilligan players have a li- having a little dig at Dickie off the ball and that's when Dickie started moving a little bit um, kind of uncomfortably 
Yeah. Um, so I don't know, maybe took a knock in the ribs or something, but KR didn't seem to be particularly concerned. Yeah. KR did say after the game how good it is for him to be able to bring on a player like Elliot Moore for Rob Dickey. And again, you know, we haven't got too many centre-backs in reserve, but that's a great change to be able to make. And we were comfortable at the back second half as well. One thing that wasn't so comfortable at the back was Eastwood had one of his Benny Hill moments <laughs> yet again, which to be fair, this, if you can literally grab, whilst obviously, you know, Simon, none of us are going to say Eastwood isn't the man. He is obviously one of the main men in the squad and he's fantastic and he's a great servant, but it's becoming quite a regular feature now. So at Fleetwood, there was definitely one, wasn't there, John, where we saw him gallivanting to the corner flag to not win the ball. And then there was a couple of moments against Tranmere as well. And so there's one there. So we haven't been punished yet, many of them, which is great. But you would hope that, you know, I, I guess it'll be on the back of his mind more than anyone else's that he's got to be cautious. So we can move on from that. Uh, Cadden crossed it, did another kind of sublime cross, very kind of similar to uh, the goal at uh, Lincoln that Taylor scored. So Cadden crossed it in for Taylor in the second half after, after some good work from Henry where, Henry, where he got his shirt tugged by about five different players. I think he was with Taylor was within the six yard box where he got his, when he got his left foot on the volley and it just went flying over into the car park, which was a shame. I don't know if you guys caught that, Jack. Did you see that back? Yeah. Um, it's weird, isn't it? How he can look so calm last week, scoring his header, um, his tapping against West Ham. And then that one just looked a little rushed almost. Um, almost as if he could see the ball in the net and was working out how he was going to celebrate rather than <laughs> focusing on putting it in there. But yeah. I suppose he let him off. He scored earlier in the game. So if we're going to miss chances, it's better to do it at 3-0 up than at 0-0. That's right. As a fan, I'm just happy that he's getting those types of chances. Yeah, well, yeah, anything. exactly. So I'm f- I'm fine with him missing a few as long as we're three nil up at the time. It's all good. I also we've got Taylor. Is it a season long thing or is it recall option in January? I don't remember. Yeah, there's now. a January recall. Okay. So have have, um, have Bristol signed anyone else since they? I forget they, who got injured for. They them. signed Benikafobi, but he's now got injured. And is out for the season. Yeah. So okay. January could be a concern, but you'd imagine they'd want to go and spend money on a championship proven striker rather than relying on Taylor. But you never know. I wonder if any fee. I get. You know, we can probably talk about this another time. But I do wonder if any fee's been agreed after the loan period or anything like that. Sometimes clubs do that. They say initial loan with a fee of this amount afterwards, regardless of how well they do. If you want him with an option, I guess, but I'm not sure if that's the case. Um, so that was another bit. Great work. Yeah, I put another note basically saying great work ethic at the back, restricting Gilligan to general pot shots from distance. Any of any of the kind of highlights from their side was just suggesting that we were holding them outside of the box. And ultimately that meant that we recorded our fifth clean sheet in a row, which is fantastic. And when I actually went back and looked at the stats for the game, it was interesting contrasting it to Lincoln. So against Gillingham, we had 63% possession, 17 shots of which seven were on target and Gillingham had four shots um, and one on target. So you can see the dominance there. Against Lincoln, we had 55% possession and only 13 shots and the same amount on target. So it shows you how clinical we were against Lincoln. But we are really dominating teams at the moment. And considering... 
Gillingham had that really strong performance against Ipswich the week before, it really does show you where we're at at the moment. To be able to batter a Steve Evans side is no mean feat. I'm delighted with it. I think somewhere it said that Gillingham hadn't lost by more than one goal all season yet either. And actually, um, we were really, really comfortable. So, yeah, it's, it's really positive at the minute. The reaction after the game, so KR referenced uh, the players who didn't get on the pitch or even in the squad and just talked about healthy competition, talked about Sykes and other players that were really like knocking on the door. Um, Chris Williams then compared the team on on the yellow player interview to the successful kind of 80 sides where kind of fans are going to the games, expecting us to score three or four goals every game. And KR suggested the players at the moment are still mere mortals. And then went into that kind of mode that KR goes into where he talks about being a custodian of the club and how he's only passing <laughs> through and how it's all for the fans. And God, I, whilst he's, you know, obviously I'm loving how the team's playing and fair play to KR, but I wish you'd stop talking about that. It's so cringe. Um, it's, the, then, it's the cheeky, like, smiley on his face when he does it as well. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. almost in, like it's almost just unbearable to listen to it. I, I listened to it again today, and I was like, oh, please stop talking. <laughs> I was like, please. Oh. He did make a good point about referencing, and I don't know if he did it intentionally, but he talked about how we lost to Luton 2-1 at home last season and that was after 11 games but he didn't mention it was after 11 games but we conceded in that on that day in the 98th minute I remember it was a Tuesday night and he was saying how that was a really kind of low point for him and for the team and when you compare where we were at last season with this season so after 11 games last year we were 23rd in the league uh, only above Plymouth Uh, we'd played 11 won one game and drawn two and we had five points on the board with a goal difference of minus 12 and we are 10 points better off this year. And so obviously the turn in form is dramatically helped with that. Um, and I don't, I think it's been said a few times that I think the general quality in the league has dipped slightly. But regardless, we're in a much better place, aren't we? John. <laughs> I think it's a positivity. We're all just, uh, just in shock still. I was about to plan saying yeah. <laughs> don't, all, don't all jump at once. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, we've got to be. I mean, you can start bringing the cliches out about we've got to keep this going and all those sorts of things. But I think the the, the style in play and the seem to be adapting to and understanding each other and that fluency that we saw in the last two games. I mean, Gillingham was the one where it's like we need to beat this team convincingly, they're going to come and in theory try and do what other teams have done us all season, which is stifle, be horrible against us, and can we do something against that rather than the teams which let us play? So that's really, really encouraging. And I think absolutely we should be. The, the squad feels like it has got a depth and maybe it always has, but it, it feels like the, the players on paper is starting to be realised on the pitch. Yeah, that was the next question I had. So do we start to get excited like, is this a special squad at this level? Have we leveled up? Alex, um, who's one of the guys that came up from Oxford last week to Lincoln, messaged me earlier and said, have, have we leveled up as if it was like Pokemon terms or have we evolved? Like, it does feel different. Ben, what do you reckon in terms of your prediction last week was a mid-table mediocrity finish? Has that changed a week later? 
Well, it depends whether I listen to my head or my heart. The heart says, absolutely, we're just going to storm up the league and <laughs> just piss it. Uh, the head says it's been three games, ten days, uh, a lot can change in football, given the Bolton game to the Lincoln game. Somewhere down the line, it's going to go the other way. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if we're still... You know, we're still performing well, keeping clean sheets, not necessarily winning every game 3-4-0, but in, in five, six games' time, if we've still got this confidence, this positivity, and the players are you know, playing well and, and there's a good feeling around the club, then I think, yeah, but we can push on to the playoffs. But I just think we, we need to just calm down a little bit on all these, or we're suddenly the best club in the world. Well, we are, but OK. That's why we sing that, Oxford United. That's, it. That's why we sing that song because we're by far the best team in the world, right? I mean, I'll I'll just you know retract my statement about us winning the league because of Ben's miserable outlook. <laughs> you said sick, but Connor, you yeah. said sick last I know, week, as I did I. Um, I think that's realistic. I'm, I'm still sticking with my sick, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Steve Evans upset me after the game in that he was quite complimentary about us and he congratulated us and he bemoaned his side's lack of shape and referred to a golfing class between the sides. And I was genuinely really disappointed that he didn't explode and he turned like a, cri- a crimson shade of red. Rather than, you know. I'm, I'm upset that he didn't end up like that. Um... <laughs> like he didn't end up like that West Ham fan that went all over Twitter. I don't know if <laughs> Terry. Many, people, many people saw it. It was oh, some guy on, on Twitter just basically had an absolute meltdown after losing 4-0 to us. And he was saying, I think the best line in it was, it's an absolute disgrace, I think is what he came out with. He went, uh, he said, we're the laughing stock of the Premier League. Yeah, that was it. Is even, what he said. even though they're sat in fifth place. So, uh, you know... Terry, if you're listening, please don't come and find me because you look bigger than me. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, he's more likely to try and find me, but you know, he's got a bit of a journey. <laughs> anyway, some more stats to boost the excitement that we've got at the moment. So we're still the second top scorers in the league with 22 goals. Peterborough scored three at the weekend as well, which I think John will go on to in a minute. Remain one goal above us. Uh, will Hicks, who's an Oxford fan on Twitter, pulled together some solid stats so he, he made the point that we've only ever scored more goals in the first 15 games of a season three times um 61 to 62 season do you remember that connor um um no then there was 84 and 85 sorry 61 62 we scored 44 goals that must have been good 84 to 85 we scored 37 goals uh 2017 to 18 we scored 32 oh, i just remember that 19 to 20 i just remember that last one <laughs> but to be fair the 2017 18 one i looked back at it because i was like that seems a bit good we didn't do anything that season but it was because i think we played stevenich in the this is for all competitions by the way and we played stevenich in the tin pot trophy and we battered the crap out of them at their place like six one or six two or something i don't know if you guys remember it but um that's why so instead of having six goals scored in the jpt we've got six goals obviously in the league with lincoln this time out so really really positive start in terms of scoring goals but i don't think we need to talk too much more about that uh the other stat they pulled out was that we last registered four consecutive clean sheets in the league um last time we did that was the 13 14 season where we drew with Portsmouth 0-0, Exeter same scoreline, and then beat Wickham and Torquay 1-0 apiece. And so I think we actually did it twice that season. Uh, But then to compare that with the run that we're on now, we've got the goals and the clean sheets. Usually, you know, if you're playing, you know, you're 
focusing on being solid at the back, it's unlikely that you're scoring 12 goals in four games, which is what we've just done in the league. So incredible stuff from us. Um, the only other thing I had in terms of reaction was the, uh, or kind of stats and facts, Dave Pritchard, who's the Oxford Mail chief sports writer, he made it that the result against Gillingham meant that it's the first time we've scored. I've just said we're not going to talk about scoring goals. I'm going to throw another one about scoring goals. <laughs> anyway, he said it's the first time we've scored 13 goals across three games, three games since uh, September 1983, which included, which also included winning against Gillingham 3-2, followed by victories against Millwall and Warsaw, in which we scored four and six. And at that time, obviously, none of our squad had been born. So that's another little stat for you. Uh, I what do people I think? Either. You definitely weren't born. No. What do people think about uh, the home attendance? Like Jack, so we had 6,000 home fans and Oxfox put something out on Twitter about saying, and it aligns with what the board had sent. Um, I think Mr. Mr. Mac sent something out a few weeks ago with the board update saying, you know, Oxfordshire is huge. We've got a massive catchment with, you know, Oxford United are the only real professional club in the county that you can get behind. We only had 6,000 at home. Is that disappointing? It's just strange, isn't it? I don't quite understand it. It seems to be a regular thing since we've moved to the uh, stadium that shall not be named, um, that we we can't seem to consistently get high crowds. So uh, I had a look at something for something that's coming later in the pod. We played Crawley 10 years ago at home and had 5,600. Yet 10 years later, we're, what, two leagues higher and we're struggling to get over 6,000 home fans for a league game. Um, I don't know if it's prices, if it's the general kind of mehness about all the situation last year, winding up order things, but I'd, I yeah. can't put my finger on it why we can't draw back a lot of those fans. It is, it is a weird one, and it's easy for us to sit in uh, Derby and York and Leeds and stuff and say, I, well, there are people up here that do manage to get down. It's just a challenge for us, obviously, but... Yeah, I agree with you. It is very easy for 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 us to for us to sit here and go, you know, why are there not eight thousand, you know, whatever. Um, but I think I I would love to see the Kassam Stadium halt, you know, just gather a little bit more interest, especially with the way the team's playing. But you know, I think a lot of it goes down to to actually the, the climate of football in itself, and it's not necessarily just our club that might suffer from this. There are, you know, hundreds of other teams across the country where, you know, potentially the whole support local thing is uh, slowly drifting away from the younger generation of fans. But I won't hold all the younger generation of fans to, to fault for it. It's definitely not all their fault. But I would love to see the, you know, the attendance shoot up a little bit more. And I'd love to see what it'd be like if we got into the championship, to be honest. I think that would be a testament. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'd be interested to see, whilst it might piss some season ticket holders off, whether if they did more initiatives for schools or cheap tickets or bring a friend, which they've done yeah, in the past. I agree. With um, that. I think it's worth trying that. And I think a lot of season ticket holders that can afford the tickets and are happy to give that money to the club would back it. So it'd be interesting if they talked to Oxfox about that type of thing. Right. Should we wrap up what's going on in League One? Hi, John. Hi, so it's me on League One this week. I thought this set of results was really quite an interesting one. I mean, 
generally all the top teams won, but it looked like there was a bit of something going on in every game that was played. You had Accrington getting a 1-0 away at Southend, and that's not easy sometimes to go to a struggling team that have got a new manager or, or a, on the cusp of getting a new manager. And equally, it's important because they're our next opponent. There was a Coventry-Doncaster interesting game as well. That's two strong teams that probably the, the lower-profile teams in this division. And as you touched on earlier, AFC Wimbledon getting two at Peterborough, despite everything going on with the Wally Downs and him losing his job or, or nearly about to losing his job, but but losing losing 3-2. So I thought it was quite a lot of um, different things going on in the league over the weekend. But you, know, you had Ipswich 1, Luke Garbutt score again. Seems like we've done our usual bit with making players better once they've yeah. been with us. Um, Sunderland won against um, Milton Keynes. Um, Max Power scored an absolute cracker. And it, it made me laugh because I'd not long before watched the highlights and uh, Fosu got nailed by Barry Fuller in the <laughs> highlights. And it just made me it just, it just made me laugh. And I was like, you go from Max Power to Barry Fuller. <laughs> but... Um, that, that was just something that sort of tickled me. Um, and Sunderland's form's pretty good now, actually. They're not lost in five, despite Jack Ross seeming constantly arguing against his, yeah. his job. Wickham looked very good. Um, and Fleetwood have seemed to have clicked very similar to ourselves, actually. The, the firepower and good players that they've got seems to be coming together. And they're now third. And I would have never thought they were a third-place team when you and I, James, went to, no. went to see them. So... Whilst all the top four teams won, and that's not that groundbreaking, I think there was a lot of little bits of nuance and narrative going on across the whole league, really. Um, but in terms of teams that we're playing coming up shortly, I mean, thankfully, we're only playing Doncaster, the only team that we've got coming up shortly. And um, and I think that's, well, it's a, it's a good reason. I suppose we're going to now play a series of teams that we actually should be looking to beat, but actually going to be quite quite tough. Um, Lincoln's results were definitely worth commenting on because it was Appleton's first game and he didn't make any changes to that team which I think a number of us thought was a bit weird and they ended up losing 2-1 to, to Blackpool but he was on um, Quest TV the highlights show which I think is definitely worth a, a watch even if you just want to drool at Michael <laughs> Appleton and have a bit of nostalgia but he um, he made some really sensible points and it was classic Appleton really it was look pointed out that Lincoln haven't been in League One for 20 years, and I think everyone had been on a bit of a bandwagon with them, talking about the plan is to bring young players through, blend of experience and youth. And I was sat there going like, I've heard this stuff before, and it sounds just <laughs> as good as it did four or five years ago. Um, he did act, He did make this other really interesting point. He talks about how you move on from a legacy, from the Cowley brothers to Appleton's Lincoln City. And he said consistency of message was quite important that, that made me laugh, given a... What comes out of KR's mouth each other each other week. But it, it sort of did make me think that I don't think we're too obsessed with Appleton, but in some ways we need to um probably let that start to go. But I it made me ask the question, have we do people think we've got an identity or are we still sort of a work in progress, uh, given the inconsistency? Or am I just sort of overthinking that whole letting go of Appleton and all that sort of thing? I don't think so yet. It's too early to say, isn't it? We were so inconsistent the first few games of the season. And if our identity can become that we score between four and six goals every game, I'll be, I'll be think, happy with that. I, I think the wingers is 
the thing that hopefully we can push on with and it'll make a difference to however Mackie or Matty Taylor plays and whether or not Taylor just cements his place in the side will kind of help to define how we play. Yeah, no, I think that wingers is a really good point. It was one, it was a thing that KR said about when he first got appointed that got me excited initially and then it all went a different way, but he talked about the importance of wingers. So yeah, no, I think I'd, I'd agree with that. Uh, Table-wise, conscious of time, I mean, we're 10th has been touched on. I still think goals conceded sticks out like a sore thumb, but we've obviously improved that in recent times. And if you look at the table, I say, and, and others might disagree, that if you look beneath us, probably only Rotherham and Portsmouth I'd expect to be above us. And Wickham being the standout of team, which we know would have expected to be where they are per se. I had a looking at the table as well. I, I couldn't I can't back this up with any stats or anything, but it feels like the teams at the top, the numbers of wins they've got is pretty low. Seems with a lot of draws, and you've got teams like Fleetwood and Peterborough who are only just sort of got themselves up there. So I don't know whether it's just that there's not a lot of difference between a lot of teams or, or whether it's just um everyone's been a bit inconsistent. But I think tenth can't complain about it really. Anyone else any games or things stick out for anyone else? Not for me. Just Wickham still winning and quite easily as well. Um, There's a really good interview with Ainsworth on, I think it was Quest or BBC or one of the, you know, football league coverage shows. And uh, he's saying how this squad he's built this year really bought into the it's us versus the world kind of approach. Um, Because they had their budget cut again in the summer, yet he's brought in a couple of really good loanees and they just seem to have, yeah, really bought into the Wickham kind of us against the world approach, and obviously on the pitch, it's paying off at the minute. I can't believe he's still there, to be honest. But there you go; he's a great manager. Cool. Should we move on to previewing Accrington? Ben's going to do that for us. So next Saturday, we have a nice trip to the Crown Ground. Also, more excitingly, known as the Wham Stadium. Still never quite figured out why. The, okay. the Wham yeah. can, Stadium. Sorry, the on. Wham Stadium. Can, can you redo that, Ben? Can, can we have a little bit of, like, Wham Stadium? Wham Stadium. Yes, there it is. Love it. Thanks, mate. Appreciate that. Jesus. No worries. <laughs> right, moving on swiftly. Uh, they they approach the weekend, uh, 17th in the table, fairly non-start to the season. Uh, ten games, one, two, drawn four, lost four. Pretty much the first five mirrored the second five. Uh, last five games, three of the draws, one loss, and that win that John just mentioned away at South End. Uh, didn't do anything in the Milk Cup. Got uh, beaten by our next opponent, Sunderland, 3-1 in the first round. In terms of how they play, and how they've played certainly recently, is a bit of a diamond in midfield. You fall 1-2-1-2 one, two, one, two formation. Uh, you've got Sam Finney playing at the head of that diamond uh, behind the strike force of Dion Charles and Colby Bishop, who uh, interesting little player, 22 years old, signed for them in the summer from the National League North, uh, Leamington side. Uh, it seems to make quite an impact in terms of goal scorer. He's top scorer for them with five. He's only played nine games, but it seems to be one that's moved up. It's a up. good name. Colby Bishop. It's a really good yes. name, that. He's, he looks yeah, like, a, he's, like he's moved up the, the pyramid quite quickly, so he could be one to keep an eye on in the future. Uh, other players. Where's Billy Key? 
Billy Keith is he still around? He's still around, but I don't. I don't. He's played. He's on, he played as much. He's on um, compassionate leave because he's going through a bout of depression again. Um, they put a statement on their website saying, "Yeah, can we kind of not probe into his private life too much?" Because I think he's had um, a number of personal issues over the last few years, which is why he stays at Accrington. Um, but yeah, I think he's struggling. So yeah. Okay, thoughts with him. Yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, other players to look out for: uh, Ross Sykes is a, a young twenty-year-old defender uh, who's he's been at Accrington all his career. Uh, he's played every game so far and has, has chipped in with two goals. Uh, another player who's also played every league game this season: Jordan Clark. He's a twenty-six-year-old midfielder. He's been there for the last three years. He started his career uh, over at Barnsley, and he's made over one hundred and sixty appearances for Accrington in that time. So he's been quite a mainstay in their team. So he's another one to look out for the weekend. The most important part of this preview, though, is where are you going to be drinking? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of places you can go to. The train station, if you get in the train, is about a 20-minute walk from the ground, so there's no excuse not to nip into one of these pubs. Uh, first one's Grant's Bar. That's <laughs> uh, roughly a 20-minute walk from the ground. That includes beers from the Big Clock Brewery. Uh, and there's also a pizzeria. So if you're peckish, you can grab some food there. <laughs> a little bit closer to the stadium in the uh, the ground itself is the club sports bar um, with the extremely uninspiring name of Reds uh, that does welcome the visiting fans with, oh, is it named after John Stark? with a Z absolutely it is with a Z <laughs> yeah. um, but the uh, That's... the one I've been to previously and certainly would recommend is immediately behind the ground is the crown so it's perfect for your, your last one bef- before you go into the ground um, in terms of Predictions, uh, to bring the mood down, because obviously, as Connor knows, that's what I like to do. Uh, <laughs> we've lost each of our last three games when we've played Accrington. Uh, last season, we lost 3-2 at home and then 4-2 away. So plenty of goals in those games. Yeah. Um, I'm going to predict still more goals, mainly to us. Uh, I think we're going to win 3-1. James, what do you think? I I was at, me and Connor were at that 4-2 defeat on a Tuesday night in the pissing do, rain do you know what- last year with... Our- you know what, I was going to say our own fans had. Sorry, I was just going to say our own fans had the Robinson out flags in Robinson's face um, at the end of that game, which was interesting. Feels like a million years ago that. Yeah, I was, I was, I'm sorry, Connor. I what was you were literally saying? going through some photos on my phone earlier, and I found the the photo that the professional photographer took of me and my face. I looked so pissed off. <laughs> it was so bad. Wow. So that kind of that that. That picture just summed up how, how bad it was. But yeah, go on, James. Go back to your prediction, mate. I think 3-1 as well, Ben. That's a good shout. I like it. Connor? Uh, I was only talking about this to one of my friends earlier, and I said I think it will be a very difficult game. But having said that, I think we will we'll nick it. I'm going to go with a 1-0 away win. I think we're going to keep... Keep up the clean sheet, but I don't think we're going to be able to knock as many past them. John? Well, I'm glad you've taken the miserable hat, given that I had it last <laughs> week, but I'm actually going to have to be miserable with um, this. I think we're going to draw, and I've done that purely on the basis that they drew against Wickham and against Blackpool. I think one of them, I think it was the Wickham game, was at home. And I wouldn't be too concerned with a point from this game at a point at this time of the season. But, yeah. you know, if we get the first goal, we could easily steamroll them. So, but I'm going to go with a draw. And lastly, Jack? 
Yeah, I'm on the uh, the draw bandwagon as well. I think um, it's always a horrible place to go with it being such a tight ground. And uh, yeah, I think score draw 2-2. Two, two. There's no Billy Key though, and he was an absolute pain. And the reason I was asking about it is because he was such a pain in the ass last year. Um, and he makes a massive difference for them. And then when he... One thing I know, he is a classy guy. After the game, Connor, we were so pissed off, we might not remember, but you might not remember, but he clapped, he came over and clapped the Oxford fans as well in the pissing yeah. rain in a nice way, not in a sarcastic I, way. I, so I don't he, remember that. I think I was seething. <laughs> <laughs> Too busy being pissed off. Anyway. And also, everyone's so nice. You say it's a tight ground, Jack, but all the people around there seem to be dead friendly. So, Oh, yeah. My, um, I've not been before, but my dad's been a couple of times and... Uh, he said last time he went to the, the Red Spa or whatever they call it, the ground, and um, the ex-England cricket captain, David Lloyd, was sat in there just <laughs> right. chatting away. Um, nice. Yeah, he said it's a really friendly place, so I'm quite looking forward to going, actually. Yeah, it's going to be good. Cool, thanks for that, Ben. Right, we have a super-duper brand-new section. Jack. Uh, yeah, I'll be. I'll make it quick, but um, I kind of scribbled on my notes. Look for a semi-memorable game from kind of this day or this weekend in previous years. Um, found a couple, both from our two recent promotion seasons, um, with kind of various reasons for picking it. So, in on this day in two thousand nine, we beat Crawley three one at home with goals from Adam Chapman and a. Brilliant lob, according to the Oxford Mail, from uh, the one and only Stevie Kinninborough. Uh, Jack Midson also <laughs> scored as well. But uh, the thing that stood out was uh, Jefferson Louis scored and actually equalised for Crawley and uh, apparently ran the length of the North Stand with his hands cut behind his ears um, to rile up the already annoyed <laughs> Oxford fans. And something else that stuck out about that oh. game, uh, going down in the great history of Oxford United, Aaron Woodley made his league debut. So uh, that his career went brilliantly after that. I was going to say, doesn't he play for Barcelona now? <laughs> hmm. He was one of them that everyone just said he's ah Aaron Woodley, and then before you knew it, he was like twenty four playing for Oxford City or something. <laughs> but yeah, strange, uh, a strange one. And then the second game I just pulled out quite apt for this podcast. Uh, on this day in twenty fifteen, we won two one away at York. Um, Hilton put us 1-0 up and then York equalised after Jake Wright and Sam Slocum <laughs> ran into yeah. each other. Um, and then we nicked it late on when Kemar Roof um, it in. brilliantly put his chest in the way of a clearance and it flew in the top corner. <laughs> um, probably noteworthy that Jordan Graham made his first debut for the club as a substitute in the second half. Um, and it was one, it's one of those games, I think it was quite early on in the season, well, obviously 10 games or so into the season. And... Uh, I just found a quote from Appleton saying, very to the point, we needed a win and that's what happened. <laughs> so, you know, everyone everyone was very happy, clearly. And I also dug out, for memory's sake, I um, appeared to have written a match report for Rage Online that day called View from the North. So uh, I recommend you all go and check that out if you want to see what I thought four years ago. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it so, yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, I will do, don't worry. <laughs> Me and um, Ben are on the... You can see us on the footage when that... I swear it came off like Kemar Reeves, like, thigh or something. Yeah, it was... I've just watched it back before this pod, and it... I know, <laughs> it's great. Mullin, Mullins had a shot blocked. 
it pinged about a bit there, centre-back on the line, kind of smashed it and it just hit roof and flew in. But everybody behind the goal celebrated like he'd scored a 55-yard volley. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. And then the, the other bit that we I think we've talked about as a group is uh, we're looking to do a uh, all-time Oxford United crap 11 team, which will mainly take pace, pace place uh, through votes on Twitter. Um, so we're going to start with the goalkeeper. And I think a couple of people have got suggestions um, of who we might want to include on that. Uh, I threw out Ian McColden earlier. Um, I think he played 30-odd games with varying levels of success. I don't know if anyone else has got a shout. Yeah, we had... We Obviously, we can only put four options up for people to vote on on Twitter. Um, so, we're going off that. I was going to go with... Uh, I was torn between... Well, after some discussion earlier, I'm torn between Benji Bouchard and uh, Connor Ripley. But I'm probably going to go with Benji Bouchard purely because of the fact he was like one of the most uncommanding, if that's a phrase, goalkeepers I've ever seen. And his distribution was awful. So I'm going to go with Benji Bouchard. Anyone else want to add to those? Because there was two more to go. I'm sure you had one, didn't you, John? <laughs> I was going to add uh, Neil Cutler to the list. I just remember, and he only played like 10 games on loan, but I think it was just, I think it was a Dave Kemp era. And he just used to, Leak like a like a sieve. I think it's <laughs> also painful. important to say that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor bloke. I just I think it's important to say that, that like we're not picking on these these people. They've achieved a lot more than we ever have in the professional football game. <laughs> but um, no, I think Neil Neil Cutler's one, and then I think Mike Salmon's uh, got to be in there as well for the uh, one off. I think he appeared once, and then that was it. So, um, yeah, just to a good clean bit of fun and then of course we can do the best 11 of all time down the line and get, and get shouted yeah, exactly. out so for we'll, not mentioning uh, players back in the day we'll uh, put um, put it to a vote on Twitter and then see what comes out next week and move on to the defence yeah let's uh, not say crap 11 otherwise again if any of these people are unstable and they catch this on Twitter and it's the thing that tips them over the edge I want no responsibility <laughs> for it chaps That's what about the could have been better 11 something like that Something more positivity. Yes. <laughs> yeah. How about like the right? You know, they they participated eleven. <laughs> Something like that. No, that's Cheers. not bad. Yeah. The, thanks for turning up eleven. <laughs> yeah. Right. Quiz time. I really hope this is quick, James. It is quick. <laughs> I've just realised that there's been a lack of like different jingles in this pod quite upset that's because we're missing Andy that's, right. that's your fault mate you're the one in control I know, right? I know. I'm the jingle master <laughs> right this week is back to basics uh, with a general knowledge Oxford United quiz so there's no exciting theme there's no play on any popular TV quizzes there's just 10 questions and whoever gets the most wins if there's a tie I've got a spicy tiebreaker at the ready and if you uh, call your name and answer wrong you're frozen out for that question so be warned and if I smell Wikipedia in the background anywhere, then you're <laughs> eternally blacklisted. You can still come on the pod, but you'll have to live with the shame. Okay, let's go. Question number one. Who did Peter Levin score from the halfway line against back in 2011? Connor. Jack. Connor. Is it Port Vale? Correct. Get Question it. number two. Who did we sign Liam Serkin from in 2015? Jack. Jack. Exeter. 
Correct. Question number three. What country was Oxford loanee Ryan Williams from? Connor. Connor. He's from Australia. Correct, no, mate. Oh, John. He is. No, you're right, you're right. He's right. I'm right. Uh, it's Australia. What were you going to say, John? John? All right, John. <laughs> I, was saying, I thought it was New Zealand. That's what I think I thought it was going to be a, a quirk. Uh, uh, anyway, well, well, carry on. You're wrong. You're wrong. Question. <laughs> question number four. Who did we sign Jack Midson from in 2009? Jack. Connor. Jack. Histon. <laughs> Histon is correct. Very good. Connor's on it Go today, on, though. Getting right in there. Uh, question five. Who scored a hat-trick away at Shrewsbury last season? John. John. Gavin White. Gavin White. Question number six. Name a mid to late 90s goalkeeper who was second or third choice behind Phil Whitehead. John. Jack. John. That's me, I have it. Richard Knight. I didn't have him on my list. I don't know if that means this is a very kind of subjective question. Uh, Jack. <laughs> Elliot Jackson. Elliot Jackson is on my list. Sorry, John. I don't know when Richard Knight. I think Richard Knight <laughs> was more early noughties. He's, he was it's, late it's, late nineties. But yeah, I think Elliot, Elliot Jackson's a better answer. So yeah. The other the other yeah. one I had was Arhan Van Husten. Oh yes, what a player he was as well. James, you're just trying to freeze John out of winning. That's what I know. Doing, mate. <laughs> it's just tactics again. Which scandalous? Question number seven. Shut up, Connor. Which defender moved from Oxford to Luton in 2016? Connor. Connor. <laughs> Johnny Mullins. Correct. Well done. Yes. Question number eight. Ben, you can't win. Question number <laughs> eight. <laughs> which, <laughs> which footballer was accused of duping both the public and a string of celebrities with a fake charity? John. John. Damien Bat. Damien Bat. <laughs> I'd recommend reading the Oxblogger article on this. Yeah. It, was this the Alexander like... Dubell thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So That's a good weird. question. I like that. Thanks, thanks. I'll take that. Question number nine. Which ex-Oxford right-back is chairman of the PFA? John. John ben Perkis. Correct. Fucking hell. We've got John on three, Connor on three, and Jack on three, and Ben on zero. Oh. So, <laughs> it's going to be a winner, guys. This is exciting. Wow. Unless Ben gets it. Sorry, Ben. Question number 10. Who holds the record for being our most capped player? Connor. Connor. <laughs> it's, it's fucking... Um, oh, no, it's Aldridge, isn't it? But no, incorrect, you're frozen. No, oh, no! Jack. Mark Wright. No. John or Ben? Oh. Oh. Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan is correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fuck's sake, guys! I needed John to lose. <laughs> I I have come second the last two weeks, so that's uh, <laughs> it was really good. Okay, very good quiz. I like that. It was nice and quick, wasn't it? The tiebreaker yeah, just adds interest. Uh, most football league goals conceded in a season. What do people reckon it is? 56. No. What, the week conceded? Yeah, it was when we got relegated. Uh, it was our last season at the... Last 90. It was 100, exactly. Uh, I remember I remember that it yeah. broke um, CFAX because they couldn't get three numbers in the <laughs> against <laughs> column. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Christ. 
Oh, that's amazing. Christ. Um, my, my shout was woeful. Yeah, it was 2000, 2001 is when we got relegated and it was our last season at the Manor. So that oh. is a depressing one. That is. Benny's still there. I don't like these quizzes where you got to shout your name out because this delay makes me sound <laughs> stupid. Oh. You went very Yorkshire there, Ben. I go oh, Yorkshire yeah. when I'm angry. Oh, he, do, he does have when he's angry. He, yeah. do, he, he does have a Yorkshire twang though, massively. On that note, thank you to everyone <laughs> for listening to this week's podcast. I generally looked at the agenda today and I was like, we will 100% get this one under an hour, but we just got carried away. Not, but that's it's what it's all about. The longest one yet. We got carried it? away with Gillingham. Yeah. It's fine. No, it's not the longest one yet. But if we keep talking, it might be. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And please catch us next week when a few of us will have been at Accrington. Uh, what are we previewing the following week? I know we've got that JPT game against Pompey, but then who's the following game against? Doncaster. Has anyone got it to hand? Yeah, with Doncaster Rovers. Donny at home. At home. There you go. We'll be previewing that. Thanks for listening and goodbye.